There's no shortage of options for vitamins and supplements, but which ones do you need? Total Human is a complete reimagining of the daily multivitamin, an all-in-one pack that combines the most vital components of several of our other products. Alpha Brain, New Mood, and all your favorites come to offer one mega supplement for supporting health and performance. It's not simply one pill. Total Human is a dense, rich dose of a myriad of earth-grown nutrients and clinically studied ingredients, specifically balanced to support the brain, mood, energy, bones, immune system, joint health, and more. These formulas come in convenient day and night packs, each aimed at building you up while you work and working while you sleep. There's no easier way to get optimized. Most all-in-one supplements just don't cut it. They aren't targeting specific systems. And the inclusions of vitamins and minerals are often at bare minimum levels. There's not one single magic pill you can take that could possibly provide your body with optimum support. And if recommended daily allowances were all you needed, most everyone would be thriving. That is part of why recent reports have come out saying that multivitamins don't work. That's also why Total Human was created, to be a rich collection of high-quality nutrients, each purpose-driven to provide a tide of benefits to support your body, mind, joint health, immune system, energy, mood, and other aspects of your well-being. It's not a multivitamin, but rather a collection of megavitamins also containing the clinically studied formulas direct from our most popular supplements. Go to onit.com slash total dash human to learn more and try it today. Yo, we got Jay Ferrugia on the show. Jay was a guy who has the Renegade Radio podcast. Uh, he's had a lot of Onnit personnel on his podcast, myself, Aubrey Marcus, John Wolf, and it really hit it off with this guy on his show. Wanted to have him on mine and I learned so much about him. He has such a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's worked with really a lot of top-tier talent in the sports performance world and pro wrestling. And he's just been in the game for so long. It's beautiful to, to see what this guy has to bring to the table. He has a lot of wisdom. I know you guys are going to dig this one. Thanks for tuning in. Jay Ferrugia in the house. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Fuck I yeah, brother. It's nice, it. to, nice to have you back on. And uh well, back on for the first time. Uh, jumped on your show last time I was in town. Yeah. And then was in a little bit of a pinch for time, so didn't get to do the swap. Right, right. But we got you on now, brother. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. You doing good? I'm great, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Fuck yeah, brother. So walk me through uh, walk me through education, what got you into health and wellness, what got you into fitness, because you've been a big player in this space for a long time. So as a kid, I was just, you know, stereotypical, skinny, weak kid, bullied, insecure, shy. And uh, I was obsessed with sports and pro wrestling. And I saw so I'd watch Ravishing Rick Rude and Hulk Hogan, yes, the Ultimate Rick Warrior. Rude. You know? Yeah, yeah. Fucking people mentioned Hulk Hogan and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rick, Rick Rude, Rude was though. the fucking man. Exactly. He was shredded and jacked out of his mind. Uh-huh, with the mustache and he yeah. had the, uh, what was that, airbrushed fucking yeah, the tights. Airbrushed paint, uh, tights. So yeah, the airbrushed paint. So fucking yeah, great. Yeah. And then he would put like... Uh, his opponent's face on it, like Jake uh-huh. the Snake's wife yes. or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. So, yeah. So, I was like, man, I, I want to be like that. I want to be like this larger-than-life superhero. And the, the first kind of training I ever did was because Walter Payton was my favorite athlete. So, Walter Payton mm. used to do hill sprints all the time, and they would yeah. document that. So, I was like, man. He'd it, backpedal sand dunes and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I started doing that. I started running hill sprints before I even lifted or anything like that. So, I was like, just wanted to be like Walter Payton. And then uh, my cousin, Christine, around 1987, started dating uh, a guy named Eric Wieda, who was a pro wrestler, not with WWE, but like some smaller federation. But they lived two houses away from us. So, I, now I'm seeing a pro wrestler all the time. This dude's like, 
you know, I'm, I'm uh, 1987, I'm like 12, 13. I'm seeing a dude who's 6'4", 250, jacked out of his mind. So that really got me into training. Mm. My dad was trying to get me into it, but Eric was really kind of the impetus for me to start lifting all the time. And uh, then I kind of just caught the bug, you know? So you so, started lifting at 12 or 13? Yeah. That's yep. awesome. I think I started at 14. My dad got me a membership to Gold's oh, okay. in um, Santa Clara because he knew the front desk lady. And yeah. so they let me in early. Yeah. So yeah, I was lifting all through high school and college and not really doing the right stuff. You know, for, for a beginner, I go from doing absolutely nothing to a seven day a week body part split for three hours. And so I graduated <laughs> high school, uh, same height I am now, weighing 147 pounds. And I started, uh, so, but then I, I became obsessed in, in college. So I switched my major. I was originally a communications major. And then I switched over to exercise science, started interning in the weight room when I was 19. And I, that, that semester I got sick. I'm not sure if I told you this. I actually got tuberculosis. Oh, no shit. I barely no, heard anyone yeah. ever have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like old school. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Doc Holliday. Yeah. Yep. So longer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I get that and I had to go home, take a semester off, sick as a dog. I lost, I don't know how much weight and I had to be on medication for a year, like medication that turned my piss fire engine red. And uh, anyway, when I came back that summer, I started uh, that whole time off. I got my first certification and uh, I'm in the back of Ironman magazine, uh, ordering all these books and courses and everything back then. So I spent like three, four months just learning all that, start training people that summer when I was 19. And then two years later, and I, as I'm doing it, I'm like, I don't want to train regular people. I want to train athletes. Yeah. Kind of just knew that. Like within a year, I was like, this is terrible, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to train athletes, but I didn't know how to get into it. And then finally, my dad was uh, friends with a guy who his son, Mike, really good wrestler and football player. Started training Mike when he was 12. So all through eighth grade, high school, college. He went on to uh, like break uh, his school's rushing records and all that. Wow. And then so Mike referred me his friend, Chris, who then I trained same all the way through. And Chris became the captain of the Columbia football team. And then those two guys sent me like a dozen other guys within three, four months. So then it, by after school every day, I would have between 50 and 75 high school kids coming in. Damn. They went on to college. They'd bring back more college friends. Those guys got drafted, became pros. So that was just the next 15 years every day, just nonstop. I would still have regular people in the morning. And then my pro guys would come in like that 12 to two time frame, And then after school guys, so it was just like 12 hours a day for 15 years. That was basically what I did. Damn. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because like I wanted to train the athletes too. And as an athlete, you're like, they'll do whatever you fucking say. Yeah. They don't question what they're doing. Yeah. Fat people <laughs> that yeah. will really need to lose the weight. Yeah. They're usually the ones that'll pay you. Yeah. The athletes usually exactly. can't pay you. So yeah. you have this balance of, right. I want to train the athletes and I'll do it for fucking nothing exactly. because I want to help them. And then you got the fucking other people yeah. that, that actually pay you. So you got you to gotta work with them yeah. too. And well, it's so funny because now I've been doing this and- for 25 years. But what you said is still true. Like high level athletes that I work with, oftentimes we're just doing it for free because I love doing it and they're so into it. Mm-hmm. And I don't enjoy working with non-athletes as much anymore. So I don't do it as much. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And you're into, I mean, obviously, when did you start Renegade Radio? Five years ago. Okay. Yeah. And that's fucking blown up. It's been it's been really good. Yeah. Who have been some of the your favorite guests that you've had on? Uh, Kyle you Kingsbury, number one. <laughs> <laughs> pump, pump, yeah. pump, pump. Yeah. Uh, it's always fun doing shows with people that I'm really good friends with because there's just a different level of rapport, you know? Like, yeah. like you and Aubrey it's doing easy. or something. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So so it's always fun to have Luca on, my friend Craig Ballantyne, um, who else has been really good. Uh 
Do you know who uh, Steve Sims is? No. He wrote Blue Fishing. So he, he runs this organization where you, um, like if you want to have uh, Ice Cube perform at your wedding or you want to go backstage, you want to get married at the Taj Mahal, or like any kind of thing, like this um, uh, like high-end concierge service. Okay. Like he just makes shit happen. And he's really connected. He, he's from Ireland. He was a bricklayer in Ireland. Wow. And like his way of thinking is really unique and fascinating. You'd like him. He, he's here in LA. Damn. I'll to introduce you. Hell yeah. Yeah, great guy. It's funny. I just ran into him at LAX the other day. He was, he was like, I didn't really know that much about him. I just read his book. I was like, let me have him over. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. There's some other surprise guests. Um, trying to think who else you, you would really like. Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. But. Well, I asked that because like it's in, for me in podcasting, it's been similar to you in training. And I don't, maybe it's the same in, for you in podcasting as well, but it's like you, you meet a great guest and you, you hit it off. You have a great podcast. It does well for that person. So it feeds both people. Yeah. And then that guest will lead you to three or four more right. awesome guests. And yeah. then each one of those, like we had Chris Bell on, he's given me four fucking amazing people right. that are all super close now. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so like, yeah, and then those people give more, right? So it just yeah. feeds itself like a pyramid. Almost yeah. like a shitty pyramid scheme, like an MLM. <laughs> you know? but like, yeah, no, but 100%. they're constantly, you know, like you have a great guest and they're like, fuck, that was an awesome show. You know who'd be great for your show? And they fucking feed yeah. you more guys. You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, that's happened with some of the WWE guys that I've had on where uh, some of them I was friends with before, some I wasn't. And then some of you are just blown away, right? Like, you know who Cesaro is? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Cesaro, that was the first time we met when we did the show. Now we become friends. But Based on Cesaro's on-screen character, I had a prejudgment of what he's going to be like. Even though my friend Becky and other people told me like Cesaro's the best, like you just don't know, right? Yeah. Cesaro comes over, we hang out for four hours before we even film a show. We're just talking, we're talking, and then we we, we do the show. We're talking for another hour, and we are just crying, laughing, and he's just such a great dude. So then he kind of you know said the same to other WWE guys, like you got to go on Jay's podcast. It's awesome. Hell so yeah. that kind of experience is great. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris actually wrote for WWE. I didn't realize yeah. this because, yeah, yeah. you know, he does documentaries and I love his documentaries. But he was like, yeah, I was a writer uh, for Vince and we're riding around yeah. a limo. It's me, Vince and Hulk. And I was right. like, get the <laughs> right. fuck out of here. Are you yeah. kidding me? It's just crazy to think about shit like that. Yeah. You know, well, talk. I mean, you asked me a great question um, that I really appreciated was how has my training changed now mm. since I was a fighter? And obviously anybody who stays in the game long enough, there's an arc to how you get into stuff. And I know that you, you know, I think a lot of people that get into fitness, especially if you're over the age of 30, were heavily influenced by bodybuilding magazines yeah. coming up, training oh, yeah. splits, yeah. you know, Darren Charles 21 inch. <laughs> arm routine. Darum Charles. Yeah. Darum to grow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> like such that. a great name. It's funny. <laughs> I, I got to use that because I have a friend. Uh, he's my age and we all just jokingly breaking each other's balls about being old school meatheads. Uh -huh. We'll pull out names like Bob Paris uh -huh. and like, yeah, uh, yeah, Sean yeah. Ray and stuff. I forgot yeah. about that. That's a good yeah, one. He's a I got to hit him one, right? with that later. He had some yeah. fucking guns. Yeah. Um, but you know, like that, that kind of was the influence and the impetus for people to really get into it. And totally. I have hella gratitude for that. Like we yeah. just bought a fucking, there's, you remember the famous pic of Arnold on Venice beach and he's looking over at Franco and Franco's, Franco Colombo's hanging upside down on a pull-up yeah. bar with his feet on the yeah. pull-up bar doing a little lat spread. Totally. That's the best, right? Yeah. So I just got that on a hoodie for Tosh oh, at one of these little custom Venice shops. Yeah. But, um, so I have hella gratitude for that. Even though when I think now, I think one of the biggest shifts for me has been, training movement, not mm. muscle groups, mm -hmm. right? 
because um, that translates to sports, athleticism, uh, athleticism, um, and and more rehab and healing, yep. right? So like how we actually move better, yeah. that translates. So how has training changed for you from you know the original impetus of getting it in with fitness and to where it is now? Yeah, probably similar to you, same thing. Like it was it was all bodybuilding and all splits at the beginning for a long time, and then I, I went through just a, a a journey of eventually. What got me away from that was the old stuff in the back of Iron Man magazine. I got, I was able to get some. Um, there was a site. Bill Hinburn was the guy's name, and he, and he started this site where you could buy all the old 1900 stuff, like Saxon and Hack and Schmidt, and then even the stuff from like the 60s and 70s, like Anthony Dottillo and John McCallum. Are these like books or like yeah. actual equipment, like the old, the 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 single made welded bar? No, like strongman right, with a right. singlet on and a yeah. fucking, you know, he's doing the one arm snatch. Yeah, I would love to have one of those. <laughs> but uh, no, just kind of learning some more of that kind of stuff. So, so I started doing that. And, and the way it's evolved now, like I got into, um, I, you did the same thing, I think like a West Side phase for a while, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. conjugate for, method. Yeah. yeah, for a long time, that's how I trained a lot of my athletes. We would have a heavy upper body day, a heavy lower body day, and then a speed and a rep day, mm-hmm. and then like more of a strongman-based day okay. with day four. I like that. And uh, we did that for years. And over time, I would, you know, continue to make it a little bit safer, a little bit safer. But um, nowadays, it's really more like you said. Um, you know, there's still a focus on strength and hypertrophy and whatnot, but I want it to be safe first and foremost. I want to think about, is it sustainable? Is it going to help with longevity? And you like to do stuff. You like to surf. You're not, you're not still fighting competitively, but you're going to be doing stuff. Right. So Mm -hmm. I I look at everybody like that. Like I want you to be fresh. I want your CNS to be fresh. I don't want you to be sore. I don't want excessive, uh, spinal compression, joint degradation. Uh, so I want you to be ready, always Mm -hmm. ready at all times. So Doing a body part split where you crush 12 to 15 sets for back or chest, like that doesn't do that. You're always super sore. So if you want to go uh, swim or surf or play ball the next day, like yeah, you're like, one oh, part of your man. body's fucked. Yeah, you're destroyed. Yeah. 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 So I, I I tend to favor more full body workouts or at least like an upper lower split, or I might even combine the two. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you're if you say to me, hey, I like to lift four days a week, I might go upper, lower, full, full, and something okay. like that. But again, I tend to focus on exercises where we can do something that's going to build strength, size, mobility, and stability all in the same thing. So instead of having to do like a speed exercise, a strength exercise, hypertrophy, and then spend an hour doing mobility stuff, if we can do a single leg RDL, you're barefoot, we go down in five seconds, then I have you hold, and I'm, I'm you're adjusting your positioning the whole time. I'm coaching you through every sec- every second of it. Then we hold it for five seconds in the bottom position. Everything that that's doing, we're covering all that with one exercise. Yeah. So you're getting your mobility, your stability, your strength, your flexibility, hypertrophy, everything in that. So I try to do more bang for your buck stuff like that, more controlled movements. So like a typical workout might be we start with some uh, throws or box jumps, and then maybe I'll do a circuit of a push, a pull, lower body exercise, Mm -hmm. and then finish with farmer's walks or something. something Yeah. 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 Just like a basic overall strength. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, what was I thinking here? Oh, on that stiff leg RDL. There was, I think the first time I heard of the that kind of idea that you could build mobility and strength at the same time was from Coach Sum, Summer Sumners on uh, the Tim Ferriss podcast. Okay, uh, the he, gymnastics guy, right? Yeah, gymnastics Som- bodies. Sommers or Sommers. Yeah, Sommers. Sommers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, and so like he would talk about the, uh, the Jefferson curl right. deadlift, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you get on a box or a bench yep. and then you have the barbell and you're actually, the goal is to go 
past your feet yeah. with your wrists and it's and it's vertebrae by vertebrae like you would totally. in yoga class right but yeah. it's weighted with your legs locked out and as you do that you are building mobility and you talked about it in a way that really struck home with me because it was like <clears throat> if you passively stretch and I'm holding myself in a stretch, mm-hmm. that's a way to open up the body, but there's no strength involved there because the nervous system is shut off. Yep. You're actually coaching yourself to turn your nervous system off so you can stretch further. Yeah, so now you're more right? likely to get injured. Exactly. You need to build strength in that end range. Yeah, yeah. brother, yeah. yeah. So like getting into that, and I think um, Pavel's DVD, God, he has so many of them, uh, Relax Into Stretch. Mm where they have like, you know, like you could just use just the bar on your back yeah. with a side trying to do like the middle splits. But, you know, you have your legs out at a 45 or however far you can put them out and then slowly right. leaning forward into that. And kind of doing contract, relax. Yep, yeah. yep. And just yeah. getting into that, you know, like that little oscillating, not bouncing, but yep. like, you know, contract and relax into it. And just really like having extended periods of time where I'm stretching, mm-hmm. but also focusing on mobility in the lift. Yeah. And that's something um, Jesse Burdick does a really good job of. I don't know if you, if you ever had him on. I haven't, he's no. fucking awesome. And that's the guy who got me into, get into conjugate method. But um, he's up in NorCal, man. Mm-hmm. He'd be great. And uh, yeah, I remember that because it was like he was adding depth to my squat and I was getting significantly stronger at the same time. Mm. And it was consistent. We would yeah. vary, you know, you do all sorts of different shit. You know, like we had Bluetooth squats where we have a... Um, like a buffalo bar or a, you know, like one of those safety squat bars, the SS yoke bar, uh-huh. and we're there's no hands and we're doing box squats, okay. but our fucking feet are like four inches apart. Oh wow! You know, like super close, yeah. super wide, West Side style. You yeah. know, like just varying. Like it was always something different if it was the same movement pattern, right? right? So right, right. I like things like that because it keeps it fresh, but then at the same time, like let's challenge your depth. You know, yeah. we did um death by deficit deadlifts okay so we had uh like a two inch mat that we would deadlift off of and then once we got up and to our working weight adding. we just kept adding yeah. a fucking two inch mat yeah, until yeah, yeah. our feet could barely fit under the bar right you know with that same weight and yeah. it was like oh we'll see if we can get it or not i yeah, don't know I you know but like yeah. keeping tight using everything correctly i think those are those are fun workouts um what do you do for i mean do you do People fucking hate cardio, mm-hmm. and myself included. Myself, and I got yeah, bur- yeah. I got burnt out by it in um, I got burnt out by it in fighting because we did so many high intensity intervals. But you and I both know, like high intensity interval training is one of the fastest ways to burn fat, and it also translates to sports well. How do you implement? Um, do you implement cardio, or is it more? Yeah. I mean, for your athletes, obviously, it's something they got to work on. Yeah. Do you do uh, more of a balanced approach where you have maybe a long, slow endurance day, and then, um, or do you leave that to the sport itself? And then, do you get into like a high intensity interval stuff? Like, how do you how do you frame? So that? the answer is yes, all the above. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So um, first of all, I'll say to to, to non athletes, to normal people. That you, you said high intensity interval is one of the best ways to burn fat. I agree. It's also one of the best ways to burn yourself out. Yeah. By overdoing yeah. it. Yeah. So most people just go high intensity. Everything's high intensity all the time. And that's not good because our lives are high intensity all the time. Like being on your phone is a stress. Like everything we do is unnatural. Being inside these lights, that's like, that's all unnatural. You're stressed out. You're working too much. You're not sleeping enough. 
You might be, let's say you're negotiating a new contract, you're breaking up with your girl, whatever happens, those are all stressors. So if everything you do is high intensity in the gym, not a good idea. So I try to limit the high intensity stuff. So I think most people can do three to four high intensity days a week of everything included, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's anything. That could be anything. weight training. It could be cardio based. Yeah. It could be just yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. It could be body weight. But totally. it's, if it's high intensity, yeah. that's limited. Yeah, for right? most people, even start with three. So, And I like the old Charlie Francis approach of, of uh, for those who don't know, he was uh, an Olympic sprint coach and uh, a lot of a lot of strength. Ben Johnson's coach. Exactly. Canadian, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So his thing was high-low. So if you do a high intensity day, you can do low intensity stuff like tempo runs or whatever the next day. So I really like that as a general concept. So let's say we do high intensity stuff Monday. Now we might do some jumps or Olympic lifts. That's going to be high intensity. Maybe we'll do some heavy lifting. That's high intensity. And then a finisher where you're going to do some of the hit training. Maybe we'll, we'll jump on the airdyne. Maybe we'll do some split sled sprints, whatever okay. it might be. And uh, I'll always err on the side of doing less and less. You know, that that's a better, like that's Charlie's approach too. So you know, the average person's going in and doing like 20 sprints or something. That's crazy. Do yeah. four to five, you know, yeah. with, to, with ample rest yeah, in between. So exactly. they're actual sprints. Yeah. So that, that's the thing, right? Like if you look at how an Olympic sprinter trains, they'll do like five or six sprints with five minutes, maybe 10 minutes rest sometimes in between. And that's their workout. Mm-hmm. But then you have an average stockbroker off the street going in and doing 10 times that. Like no yeah. wonder you're getting injured and burnt out. Yeah. You can't go that high intensity with yeah. that high of volume. Yeah. You got to give one or the other. Yeah. So totally. So anything. So high intensity stuff is uh, speed stuff. Like I said, sprints, jumps, Olympic lifts or lifts above 85, 90%. And then high intensity, uh, I, I said sprint. So then on the next day, like the Charlie Francis high low is you do low intensity stuff. So for me, for most average people, I think uh, keeping your heart rate at about 180 minus your age for 30 minutes the next day is a great idea. Now, like you, I'll be bored out of my mind if I do that on a cardio machine. Yeah. So what I might do is take a sandbag out to the beach, hook up a strap behind it and just do a variety of stuff. Make sure my heart rate's where I want it to be. So it's low enough intensity. And we'll drag it. We'll do face pulls. We'll do presses. I may get down and do some like tie sits and some crawls in between. Just a whole variety of stuff. And anybody can do that. Or you can go to the gym and let's say you jump rope, you hop on the airdyne, you do some mobility stuff. Like mix it up. Just do something. But it should be. It shouldn't be stressful on your joints. It shouldn't be too heavy of a load. And your heart rate should be about that 180 uh, minus your age. So then it's just low intensity. Then that helps your recovery. If you go too hard and too heavy, it screws up your recovery for the next day. Yeah. So I kind of like that approach. Yeah, I like that. Um, I was just talking to Mark Sisson. I think in, I don't know if you read this, but in Primal Endurance, there's a guy with the last name Maffetone. And um, <clears throat> he does that, you know, 180 minus your age. And I think it's like zone two training hmm. is what you want the bulk of your slow distance, yeah. longer, you know, higher volume to right. be like very low intensity. And to think like, if you don't have a heart rate monitor or <clears throat> you're not good at simple math, it's nose breathing pace. Mm-hmm. You're either breathing through your nose the whole time, or you're able to keep a conversation yeah, totally. where you're talking with somebody the whole way. So yep. like the last the, twice this week, um, I've been fucked my knee up in jujitsu about a, like 10 months ago. And I'm finally still getting to a point where now I can run again and squat proper and all that shit. Yeah. So we were doing some higher volume distance stuff on the beach. They would run from Venice to Santa Monica Pier and back, but always at a conversation pace. Mm. And we're yep. just talking the whole way and it's super easy. And I don't feel exhausted after and my knee feels great. Yeah. But like that type of like, if it's it's got to be one or the other. Right. It can't be both at the same time. And if you do both at the same time, that has to be competition. 
Right. Right. That's yeah. like your football game or fucking the totally. race, the the half marathon you sign up for, you know, in eight weeks down the road, that's the time where you go uh, hard and yeah. long, right? Yeah. 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 100%. So what, uh, what has influenced your diet throughout all this? Because, you know, training people, you come to understand very quickly, like I can train somebody beautifully for an hour mm. and teach them all the things. And it's the 23 yeah, hours yeah. they spend away from me that matters the most yeah. for inflammation, for fat loss, for all the things, even cognitive function, energy throughout the day and how they recover. Yeah. How has that changed over time? So like training, I've tried every single thing that's ever come out, you know, since like 87, 88, I've been experimenting with stuff all the time. And what I say to most people is because it, obviously I get it. Like people are confused. Should I be vegan? Should I be keto? Should I do paleo? Should I be intermittent fasting? Like nobody knows what's going on. And even people I know who are really smart, really successful multimillionaires are like, dude, I don't know what to do with nutrition. I'm like, I get it. It's overwhelming. So start with something super basic and simple. Eat real food first and foremost. Before you jump on any kind of bandwagon, eat real food that people could have eaten hundreds of years ago. Like shouldn't come from a box or a bag. Do that. Yeah. It's got to be a living food, not yeah. a dead food. Yeah. If it's on a shelf that, that doesn't need to be refrigerated, it's dead. Yep. That's a pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah, totally. So if you do that, then you can start to, you know, do that, make that a habit. Then you're like, okay, I want to enhance my cognitive function. I want to sleep better, whatever. Okay, so th then when can we look at changes? Like, how much are you training? Uh, what's your sleep like? What's your stress like? And then we can kind of determine how, what's your body fat like? How many carbs you could tolerate? If you're leaner and you're training a lot, you probably have more carbs. You have a lot more sweet potatoes, more fruit, whatever. If you're at the opposite end of the spectrum, I would probably say don't have any carbs. You know, just limit it to, to vegetables for a while. And uh, protein, I, I would say protein suits certainly overhyped. Like back in the bodybuilder days, I was eating like 400 grams a yeah, day, you know, yeah. now two I'll to have, two and a half grams yeah, per pound, per yeah. pound, right? Yeah. I think that's crazy. I think like the 0.8 is enough or even one gram if you want per pound of body weight. Like I'll, I'll usually be in there. Um, and then I, I've myself, I've moved over the last couple of years because as you know, a lot of research has pointed towards higher fat being better for cognitive function and preventing Alzheimer's and lower carb uh, inflammation. Mm -hmm. So I've moved towards that. That said, I, I haven't really done. I mean, I did keto back in um, whenever Moral D. Pasquale had the anabolic diet and Dan oh, Duchesne yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff yep, like that. Yep. So uh, fucking probably, Dan Duchesne. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, That's an OG. I'm thinking that's like 94 to 96 because mm -hmm. I did that for two or three years. Oh, wow. So yeah. that was early on. That was yeah. before it really blew up to where it is right now. Yeah, totally. Okay. So I did that for a while back then. And uh, like I said, the last two years I, I've done that, but I haven't gone super low carb. I haven't gone back to keto or anything like that. I, I'd still like today's an off day, so I might have no carbs today. But yesterday I had 200 grams of carbs. So yeah, I think know, that's I a great rule of thumb for people that are like, I mean, who was it? There's uh fuck, there's a female um, in the space who cured her autoimmune disease. Damn it. She goes from, she has like a three tiers of carbohydrate eating. Obviously okay. it's all clean sources, but I think the tier three is under 150 grams. Mm. Tier two is under hundred grams a day. And then tier one is keto. It's under mm. 50 grams a day. Yeah. But like knowing where you fit into that and why. Yeah. And then, you know, when you have, when you think of it from an athletic standpoint, if I'm on a hard training day, like, yeah, I could fucking get away with more. My right. body's demanding glycogen restoration yeah. and the muscles yeah, and the totally. liver, all that stuff. I'm not going to put on fat. I'm not going to get inflammation from it as long as they're clean sources. Right. And then on the days where I'm really not doing a whole lot, I don't need it. 
Yeah. You know, like those carbs last. That, right. that glycogen's still in there. Yeah. If I'm not burning it out, it's still going to be there. Totally. And, and I think one of the things where, where people are so overwhelmed and confused, what they don't realize is, you know, like I could say a lot, a lot of the studies point towards less inflammation and long-term cognitive function and brain health. However, we know that those are not long-term studies done on people like you and I. Mm-hmm. So you want to take that with a grain of salt. Like, yeah, I put, put a lot of weight into that. I get it. It's science. But the, I don't, the rock has a thousand grams of carbs a day. I don't see him with Alzheimer's and forgetting no. his name. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it does depend. Yeah. Like, I think that's good. Like, take, take it for what it's worth. Okay. But that, those studies aren't done with you and I and the rock. You know what yeah. I mean? So it doesn't mean that carbs are going to cause you to forget your mom's name in a week. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, and certainly I think with the rock, like, if you look at his muscle mass, his body fat exactly, percentage, yeah. and the amount that he trains, yeah. like, Everything coming in, there it's going out. It's yeah. going in the right places, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I believe a lot, a lot of it's you, you know your uh, your genetics, your heritage, you know yeah. what your ancestors ate. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Have you done any of the genetic testing or anything like? that? I haven't done it yet. No, I okay. haven't on my to do so list. I, th- I think that, and I haven't done DNA Fit yet. I've purchased it. I haven't done it, but I've had other people do DNA Fit, and I've looked at it, and because they're based in the UK. Mm-hmm. They tell you a lot more than 23andMe does. Oh, okay. But 23andMe, if you've done that, you can outsource the raw data to DNA Fit for less money. Hmm. And then uh, one of the things that I like is Dr. Rhonda Patrick on Found My Fitness will take your raw data from 23andMe and she runs it through her oh, uh, machine learning. Oh, and it's wow. like a $10 donation. That's really? all it is. Holy it's crap. It's a fucking $10 donation. I'm doing and, that for sure. Um, when, they, when she runs it, it's some of the most important like health things you could figure out yeah. about yourself. Yeah. Like for me and my wife, neither one of us, um, we don't produce a lot of D3 from sunlight. Okay. And we have uh, whatever the D, D3 hydrogenase or whatever, the, the enzyme that clears it out mm-hmm. is super abundant in both our bodies. Mm. So even if we have D3, it's rapidly cleaned out mm. of the body. And so like from there, it's like I we can both get away with supplementing with far higher. And my wife's you know, 110, 115 pounds, she's yeah. half my body weight. And we can get away with supplementing with So like how much absurd. do you use then? I'll do 20 to 30,000 oh. IUs a day. Okay. Wow. She'll do 10,000 IUs a day. And we're still in that 60 to 70 range yeah. when we test it with blood work. Interesting. It's never wow. getting up to 100. Right, right. You know, and I've had people say like, you can get to 100 for a little while and then you want to back it back down. Yeah. But um, now, now, since you've upped that through supplements, have you noticed a difference? Like is yeah, your immune like system get, better? Yep, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. We get sick less often. Um generally I just feel good, you know, like, and I don't know necessarily that D3, I don't know if you've read this, but a lot of people say D3 is not even a vitamin. Now they consider it a hormone with how much it influences the body and the epigenetic system. But, um, you know, we feel better with sunlight. Like that's a fucking given. And there's no replacement for sunlight, Mm. you know, like there's infrared saunas and shit like that. And there's some science that they can help with seasonal affective disorder. If you live in Seattle, Washington or the Northeast or, or fucking Finland, but for the most part you want sun. Right. But I think there is something to D3 and positive mood. And like, I don't know also if maybe it's just better quality of life and what we're doing now with, with the job and with our relationship and where we're at with our son. But it does feel like as I supplement with D3 in higher doses that I just I have a better mood throughout yeah. the day yeah. too. Yeah. What are some, uh, another one on supplements, what are some of the supplements that you find are like must have critical things that you want everyone to take that you work with? Uh, well, you just named one of them. I, th- I think everybody needs D3, omega-3s. 
some kind of multi or mixed green or something like that, just as an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. I would say those would be the top three. Okay. Uh, I like curcumin. Uh, yeah. I do notice a, a difference when I take that. Have you to- tried uh, on its joint oil? I haven't tried it yet. No. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> I will uh, try I'll it. fucking send you out a All few right. bottles of it. It'd be great. We have 95 milligrams of curcumin per teaspoon. Okay. And it's fish oil plus avocado oh, wow. oil. So it, and it's super high amount of EPA and DHA with 95. And I think the studies are on 90 megs of curcumin mm-hmm. a day will give you... Um, I think like a 400% less chance of getting Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, mm. or dementia. Like it's yeah. some absurd number. Yeah. Like yeah. it's critically different with just 90 mg. So in yeah. each in each teaspoon, and I take heaps more than that because right. I want more of the fish oil, more of the EPA and DHA. Yeah. But yeah, it's, and it's for oh, sure our best tasting supplement. Oh, okay. It tastes like an orange push pop. When oh, you're a amazing. Kid. Yeah. yeah. Like something you get off the ice cream yeah. truck. It's fucking legit. Nice. Yeah, so so I take those, uh, and I notice when when I run out of curcumin, curcumin, I notice it. Like I, that's definitely something that I that I love to take. Uh, and then randomly here and there, you know, if someone sends me something, I'll take it until the bottle is expired or uh, until the body's empty, bottle's empty. But nothing else regularly, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Play with creatine, all that jazz. I've tried creatine a million years, uh-huh. like a million times for years. Like so, when it first came out, it was popular back in uh, Bill Phillips, like uh, in uh, Muscle Media. What EAS, was that? Yeah. Uh, Phosphagen HP. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I was drinking that with grape juice, and I was just getting fatter every day. Yeah, 80, 80 grams of dextrose. Yeah, right yeah, to yeah, Fucking cram it in. Totally. And then every single thing that came out, like the liquid creatine and the gel creatine and the creatine chewies, or or you got to take it with I don't know what else you had to take it with. I tried everything. Yeah. I never did. Don't anything have it with. Caffeine. Oh, yeah. you didn't. You didn't think it, it, it did never get, did anything. Did you for get me. bloated at all? Nothing. Didn't help with strength. Zero. Are you big into caffeine while you're taking it? No, I never okay. even started drinking coffee till a few years ago. Oh fuck! I yeah. wonder. Yeah, I didn't drink coffee at all until I finished when I retired from fighting. No, I'm oh, a fucking well. addict. Yeah, me too. I've taken some time off, but every time I do, it's like. I have fucking migraine headaches. It's the worst. Really? <laughs> it's the worst drug to come off of. Yeah. There's a lot of withdrawals. Um, but yeah, they say that they counter counterbalance each yeah. other, I guess, because the yeah. adenosine. Um yeah, no, I just never got anything. I've liked I've liked creatine in the past, but I and it helps with strength and like explosiveness mm. the way that the way the science shows. Sure. But um there is there is a threshold if I've been on it for longer than two weeks mm-hmm. or if I'm doing like a loading phase, which is total bullshit also, yeah. then I will get bloated. And oh, I don't okay. like carrying the water weight from yeah. it. But um the reason I ask is because you know Greenfield and some of these other people they're they're calling it a nootropic because anything that influences right. ATP, you know, with the most abundant places in the body for ATP production are the heart and the brain. Yep. Because we have the most amount of mitochondria there. So anything yeah. that would influence more ATP from the mitochondria is gonna be in those two organs. Yeah. So it should help with cognitive function and right. cognitive energy. And I just think of it in terms like that, because I'm always that's why I got into keto. You know, I'm like yeah. constantly looking for ways to improve cognitive function. Yeah. So I wondered if um yeah, if anybody was playing Yeah, with I've that. always just been like, I think one of those rare creatine non-responders. Have you uh, fucked with beta-alanine at all? A little bit. That was like one of those things where a company sent me a bottle and okay. I used it and then I just never use it. I I love it. We have uh, I'm drawing, is that the one that makes you tingly? Pl- yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we have one that's, um, it's time-released okay. in their tablets. And so it's less tingles. I don't okay. get tingles at all from it, okay. but- um, yeah, like that really does help with endurance. Okay. Major. Yeah. yeah. Those are good ones. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I like um, 
what's the Cordyceps product that I'm thinking of? Shroom oh, Tech. Shroom, shroom Tech. Sport. Yeah. Yeah, man. You just mentioned yeah. endurance. Yeah, yeah, that works for sure. Yeah. Like I've used that. Uh, when you guys have sent me stuff, I, I love that. I love Alpha Brain. Um, but again, I'm just not like the best supplement taker. Like mm-hmm. I'll just take a, a few things once in a while. And, well, then, I think, and then I forget too. Like if, like if I go away for a week, I bring a huge bag of pills and I forget to take them every day. I don't know why. Like if they're <laughs> in my cabinet and I open them and put them in my hand, I take them. I when think, I go away, I always forget to take I them. I think once you find balance in your training and you're eating really clean, that supplements are a nice addition yeah. to round it out, but they're not necessary right. because you are getting the vast majority of what you need from your diet. Totally. Yeah. People have this idea when they get into their own health and wellness that supplementation will fix a shitty diet right. or a lack of sleep or overtraining. Yep. And that never works long term. No. It might work in the short term for a little bit. You know, you might feel a bump, but yeah. it, it's you no. know, you're paying for shit on credit, yeah. basically. Totally. Yeah. And then back in the day, I would try every supplement thinking I was gonna wake up jacked out of my mind, you know, <laughs> and that never happened, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, brother. Well, shit, we're talking about cordyceps. I'm I'm gonna try a 30-day reset. Did you ever hear Paul Stamets on Joe Rogan's? Hmm. So Stamets is like the mushroom guy. Okay. He's one of the smartest mushroom mycologists in the world. Uh, has a TED Talk on six-way mushrooms will save the world. Oh, He's okay. a fucking yeah, yeah. amazing guy. And the yep. six ways, it has nothing to do with psilocybin, but he's yeah. also well-versed in psilocybin. Okay. So he has a 30-day brain reset where you microdose psilocybin, magic mushrooms, and you take every it day? with every day for 30 days. Now- Dr. Jim Fadiman, who wrote the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide, he states, you want to take a psychedelic every fourth day if you're microdosing because anything more often than that, your brain will start to downregulate it and you won't feel anything. That's what I thought. Right? Exactly. Stamets' argument is that psilocybin increases uh, neurogenesis, so extra new brain cells in the brain, new neuronal connectivity that's already backed by science. And he's saying, if you take it daily, you won't feel it after a few days, but it's still working on the brain. Okay. So you have, I think it's 100, 100 milligrams a day. It's like a 10th of a gram, which mm. you might only feel on day one. And yeah. then 500 milligrams of lion's mane, which is great for the central nervous system in yep. the brain. And then I think 500 milligrams of cordyceps synesis okay. for ATP and mitochondrial function. But that's a 30-day program. Wow. So I'm going to try that with my wife. At some point oh, this man. year. Okay, let me know how that yeah, goes. Yeah. yeah, I'm pumped. Um, I have a friend of mine who's doing, uh, and I'd be interested in trying this too, who's doing quarterly, every 90 days, a small dose of mushroom to kind of just work through some stuff. And she said that for 90 days after that, her anxiety, her stress is always way down. Like it's, it's harder for her to get mad and angry and stressed out. And it's kind of like keeping at bay some some stuff that she had going on and whatnot. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's good to check in with yourself, you yeah. know, like it's good to have those check-ins and certainly uh, a daily practice, some form of meditation and yeah. things like that. And I want to ask you about that in a second. Um, but the deeper work yeah. where you actually can dig through some shit, yank the curtains back right. and take a look at what's going on inside. I think that's where the plants really help because yeah. it's like, I might be hiding stuff from myself on how I really feel about a situation right. or, or, you know, I feel anxiety, but I can't really source where it's from. And then yeah. it's like, oh, I have a fear of losing my job or I have a fear yeah. my wife will leave me or I have a fear, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And to be able to see where that is, to shed light on it and bring awareness to it really is what evaporates yeah. the fucking thing, totally. right? Yeah. What, um, you know, what practices do you have for clearing your head and calming down? And because you're, you know, I mean, 
a guy like you or a guy like Aubrey that has so much going on, there has to be that kind of balance of how do I get my mind right? So how do you get your mind right? Yeah. So I do meditate. I used to meditate without fail. I probably had like a seven-year streak where I was 30 minutes a day every day. And now it's down to two five-minute sessions, which is probably not good. Like I know Russell Simmons or someone would yell at me like, that's not good. It means I probably need more meditation. But I still get that in. I use the Holosync app. I, okay. I don't know yeah, some, yeah, yeah. I started with that. I, I started I with that, that too. That yeah. was the first, my first foray into binaural beats. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever heard the guy. I think his name's Bill something. Bill Harris. Bill Harris. Yeah. Do you like him? He's, uh, he's he is yeah he's he was on greenfields he came across like the head of an mlm scheme like he was totally yeah. he was very i, I talked to him a couple times like, and that was what business I got. doucher but yeah. his product fucking works right that's all that matters to me i don't yeah. give a shit what your yeah, yeah. personality type is like yeah his product fucking works it still works i still have it on my phone yeah yeah, so th- so that's a go-to for me. I tried using Headspace, but I wasn't a big fan of that. Couldn't one. get into that either. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I go to Flow Tank once a week. I have a standing appointment, fifty-two awesome. weeks a year. So I that's spend two fucking weeks. amazing. Yeah, How long do you go? There. Ninety minutes? Two hours. Oh, two hours. Yeah, I go Hell to the yeah. one right up here on the boardwalk. You been to that one? No, I got to check it out because we've. You know, I just did. <laughs> I just did a float. Um, my wife got me a float for Christmas, and so I finally did a ninety-minute float out in Austin on. 50 micrograms of LSD mm. with ketamine nasal spray. Oh my it was the God. first time I got to combine the two. Jeez, and what's, what's cool is, uh, Dan's going to get me going down the rabbit hole for a second. <laughs> what's cool is John Lilly, the guy who invented the float tank, uh-huh. he, he was a medical doctor who was funded by the Navy and was getting pharmaceutical LSD from Sandoz Labs where Albert Hoffman had created it pharmaceutical grade, he would inject 300 micrograms intravenous wow, and then jump into a fucking float for 10 hours. Holy shit. And fucking trip balls. (laughs) Yeah, Like ayahuasca, DMT level for 10 hours. And he has 20 trip reports that he, and he wrote these completely out. Like, like they're the most detailed trip reports I've ever seen because they were for the military. He was writing these out for the military. And um, there's a book called Center of the Cyclone, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And it's awesome in the sense that it it teaches you what's possible. Like, oh, th- there's some shit. Like, if I, if I can leave my body and if there is something spiritual, it shows you, like, the, like there, is, there is a way to get there. You know, yeah. like, there's many ways to get there. But, and then once you're there, you can fucking run into some really fantastic shit right. that you would just, wow. unimaginable, right? So he was, he was a fascinating dude. And then he... Um, I think he he had experimented, also funded by the Navy, with giving dolphins LSD. Oh, I've heard and, about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later, um, he really got into ketamine in the float tank. And he mm. would do like an, uh, a ketamine drip. He was one of the first guys, obviously, that's huge now in depression. Yeah. And it's legal. You can go to plenty of places. I know there's some out here in Santa Monica that a lot of people have gone to for the ketamine treatment for depression. But he would run that in the float. So I was like, let me fucking combine the two of these and yeah. see what happens. And it was awesome really it was super deep uh one of the most meditative and colorful floats i've ever had mm, you know you I'm close sure. the damn thing and it's pitch black yeah. and it just went into like a kaleidoscope of blue like ambient light that sounds amazing. it was beautiful yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah. i haven't gone to that level i do i went for a year straight because i wanted to get good at it you know mm-hmm. And then now I only go with an edible. I'll just and just okay. like I'll take like five milligrams before I go in. That's and perfect. It's, it's great. I get yeah. so much more out of it with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. And then Rogan's big into that. That's one that I haven't tried. I've tried 
mushrooms, acid, ketamine now with, with acid. I have not done cannabis. And I think we were talking about that when I went on your show, that cannabis for now, it's, it's funny because I was here in Cali when it went recreational. Yeah. I was in Vegas when Nevada went recreational. Okay. And now I live in Texas where yeah. it's <laughs> fucking never going to be recreational. Right, right, right. Yeah. But um, I think ayahuasca really toned down my tolerance for cannabis. Okay. So if I have like the Jambo spray and those guys are out of here, it's a yeah. one mig spray. Uh-huh. If I mess with that at one or two pumps, I feel great. Okay. But if I get above five milligrams, I'm fucked. Really? Like I, I cannot, mind? cannot quiet my mind, <laughs> yeah. the negative chatter, the paranoia, oh, okay. the anxiety. It's, it's no good. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's huge. And, and I've had crazy breakthroughs. Like I, I figured shit out about myself in there. Uh, Business problems, things that I couldn't mm-hmm. even solve. Like, I was like, oh, I can't figure out how to do this for weeks and weeks. I go in there and figure it out. Uh, and then one day I came home and I, I, I was freaking out. I, I ran into my wife, Jen, and I rattled off these five names. And she's like, who is that? What are you talking about? And I go, those are the kids that used to beat the shit out of me and make fun of me Ooh. and threw me, threw me in the lake and at a birthday party, threw me in the pool. And I was like, and that's why I did this, this, and this. And that's why I've had this chip on my shoulder. It was crazy. And I couldn't, like, if you paid me, I couldn't think of those kids' names yeah. for all those years because I'd kind of blocked it out and kind of suppressed mm-hmm. it, you know? I think that's one of the incredible things about the float is that, you know, even if I meditate in a dark room that's completely quiet, it could be pitch. You could go to a fucking cave yeah. and you have memory foam underneath your ass. But yeah. if you're still sitting upright, you have gravity. Right. You have to stack your bones properly. Yeah. You can get tired. Mm-hmm. You could be tight when you try to get into that position if you haven't done yoga or some type of body movement to open yeah. up any of these impingements. And, you know, getting into that, like you're you're still dealing with the elements and mm. there's information constantly streaming in a car drives by. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, you hear somebody talking in the background, just yep. outside your door, shit like that. And you get in the float tank, it's dead Nothing. silent. Yep. You, the temperature's set to skin temperature. Mm-hmm. So after a while, your fingers feel like they're all touching one another. Then yeah. you can't feel your arms or your legs anymore. You're just a floating fucking head. Yeah. You I know, love it. yeah, it's such an amazing thing, but without, any with the, when the brain doesn't have any external stuff coming in, mm-hmm. it really can dive deep into creativity, yeah, unpacking trauma, all sorts of cool shit. Yeah. I mean, dude, something as simple as traveling does that, you know, like when you're in your home base and you have work and everything, you're stressed out, like just traveling, even if I have my laptop, my phone, I always have new kind of thought processes just driving around. But especially if you take a trip, like last year, we went to Iceland and Montana, both trips, I didn't have my phone. And that was meditated for like a week straight. You know, Damn. I was like, dude, I feel amazing. Like my anxiety was down. Like, was, what were you good. doing in Montana? Did you go hunting? No, both. We just went and just hung out. We were just, uh, okay. we were in Glacier and just chilling. And both trips, I, I was totally unplugged. And oh my God, amazing. In uh, Finland, was it the other uh, place? Iceland. Iceland. Yeah. In Iceland, did you do any of the fucking ice plunges and uh, yeah. hot saunas? Yeah. Yeah. We did it's all so that. big in those Nordic countries. Yeah. Like, it's like we're just now figuring that shit yeah. out. It's like, yeah. that's, that's an important Iceland deal. was an amazing, have you been? Mm-mm. Amazing trip. I'd recommend it. And I didn't even have it on my radar to go. My friend was going. And he told me about a week before he went and I was like, I should go. He's like, yeah, come. So we just, we just hopped on. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So talk, talk business now. Um, you obviously you have the podcast and you know, it's funny because when I got into podcasting, I was thinking like, I mean, everybody, everybody looks at Rogan as like the Holy grail. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, you know, like I, 
guy makes 15 fucking grand per sponsor per yeah. episode like that shit adds up at least yeah. that much you know yeah. it's i was like, gonna say i think it's a little more it's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like <laughs> that's like what 75 grand an episode yeah. if he's got five sponsors you know yeah. and he's doing five a week like yeah. So you start doing math like that and you're thinking like, oh, this is how I'll pay all the bills. But right. I remember getting into podcasting and then I met Aubrey before I started working on it. And I was only had a podcast. It was after I was fighting. And he's and I had, you know, I had good sponsorship. So it was like still kind of in that mindset. And he was mm. like, Well, that's cool, but what else are you doing? And I was like, um, I'm not really I don't have anything else, you know? And he's like, he's like, do you write? Do you want to write a book? Like, what do you and I was like, no, not really yet. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll learn. And he was like, so you're just doing the podcast. And yeah. I was like, yeah. And he's like, you got to use the podcast as a tool yeah. for whatever else you're going to do. And I and I uh, went on Mind Pump and they were telling me like, look, sponsors are great. They can help pay the bills. They can, you know, if you have monthly income coming in, you can kind of set that to outsource. Like this is where it'll help with the rent. This is where it'll help with whatever to, yeah. to, to bring in new stuff to the studio or to fly guests in. But it's what programming you give to people your intellectual property that you sell, then mm. they do a lot of programming. I think they have one called Maps. Yep. That, you know, it's like $100 a month. But I mean, if you have 10,000 people right. sign up for that, that's a fucking grip of cash coming in oh, each yeah. month, right? Yeah. And it's just your intellectual property. It's a service. It's yep. not goods. You don't have to move anything. It doesn't cost you anything other than time. Uh, what are some of the, and we talked about this before, I think, before the podcast about, um, some of the private groups you have, like mastermind groups, things mm -hmm. like that. Talk a bit about the business that you've constructed to go along with Renegade Radio. So, yeah, I mean, so, so like I said, at the beginning, it was just I owned the gym for 15 years, and that was all I did. And then I started writing in 2001, and uh, I was on the sports-specific Q&A section of Elite uh, FTS. Okay. Dave Tate yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's a fucking and, awesome site. Yeah, and, and back then, it was pretty good company. It was Buddy Morris, who was the Brown strength coach. Uh, uh, Joe Ken, who is now the Panthers strength That's coach. That's my dude. That was my coach in, high, in college. Oh, I didn't know that. Big, big house. Big house, dude. I love Joe. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was a big influence of mine, too. Tier system, all that. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, the, the cover of that book is is him and Ui, who was our, the assistant. Oh, no And way. then Mark Uyama, Ui, he went on to be the head strength coach of the 49ers. When Joe Ken was dude, a head a strength coach. World. Yeah, and then now I think Ui's with the Vikings. But yeah, Joe Ken, only coach... To win strength coach of the year yeah. in division one football and the fucking NFL. Yeah. Savage. Yeah. yeah. Savage. Great Amazing. guy. Yeah. So uh how the hell were oh, so so it was it was those two guys, uh Thomas Lindsay, who was the Steelers strength coach okay. at the time. Yep. Uh, Martin Rooney, and I think it was me. It was, it was amazing. And so I did that. And then That's I started. That's a good cast to be with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started selling my own ebooks and online program in 2003. And I literally think there was like six people in fitness doing it at the time. And I was mm -hmm. one of them. But I wasn't making a ton of money. I was making a few hundred bucks a month doing that. Then Men's Fitness uh, did a one page article on me, had a picture and a link to my website. And for the next six weeks straight, and this is how different the world was back then, for the next six weeks straight, I made 300 bucks a day. And I was like, holy crap, like I'm not good at math, but I know that's six figures. That's amazing. So I really started working on, okay, I, I can't be in the gym 12 hours a day forever. Mm -hmm. like, and I want to reach more people. I want to have some passive income going. So I kind of figured that out over the next three years. And then in 2006, I really put a lot of focus in, into it. And it's been great ever since then. Even though I remained in the gym, I still was, was making really good money online since then. Um, so there's been that. 
This year, actually, 2019 is the 10-year anniversary of my monthly uh, coaching site, the Renegade uh, Strength Club. Okay. So we're, we're redoing that. We're doing like a 10-year relaunch kind of celebration for that, That's which would awesome. be really cool. Yeah. So, um, and then, then I started the podcast five years ago, never thinking I was going to monetize it or anything like that. I was just going to kind of do it and have fun. And then, so I didn't take on any sponsors the first two years. And then what's funny is it became stressful because last year the podcast made more money than I used to make, at least for like my first 10 years training people, you know, working 12 hours a day on the gym floor. So of (laughs) course, when it starts making money, then it becomes a more serious business. You got to hire more people and take it more seriously, you know? Um, So that's a a mistake I made where for 20 years, I had one business. The last few years, I've had four businesses, kind of, and it's become really stressful. And I only really noticed that, I'd say, the tail end, last third probably of last year. I was like, man, this is going to be way too much. It's going to be overwhelming. Yeah. And it was hypocritical of me because I always tell people, you know, read the one thing at least once a year, read essentialism, do less, practice 80-20. And I was getting away from that. Yeah. You know, which I think as as a business owner or entrepreneur or anyone, like we all know a lot of cool people. We have a lot of cool opportunities. We see this guy doing that. Aubrey's doing this. And this guy's doing that. We're like, ah, I should do all these things, you know? Yeah. And then what's really dangerous is when you have a little success in doing one of those things, uh-huh. you're like, oh, I could be as good as a rock at this or something <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. And the, the reality is I can't. I realize that. Like, and I'm happier when I do just one or two things and try mm. to do a million things. And, and some of the things you don't have to monetize. I think that's a mistake that I made. And people... Uh, a lot of people I've noticed make like, I'm good at this, so I should make it part of my business. I should corporate yeah. this and I should monetize that. It's like, uh, maybe just make that your your passion or your side project or your hobby or something you do with friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think nobody knows more about old school hip hop and lyrics than I do, but it doesn't mean I should write a book about it or teach a college class on it, you know? Yeah. And I was kind of doing the equivalent of that. So, um, and, and, and then advice I give to people that are starting a new podcast is, and so I was at a... a, a some kind of business event recently in November. And a bu- there was a podcast roundtable. And I was sitting there, a, l- a bunch of new podcasters was saying, should I do this? Should I do that? And what I was saying to new guys, like, if you don't know a lot of people and you don't have a good following, you're not connected, I wouldn't just do what we're all doing and having guests on. It should just be your uh, audio content. So if you write a blog, like I don't have you as guest post the, of, the, of Monday yeah. and then Aubrey's the Tuesday guest post and Luca's writing the guest post and then Joe DeFranco's writing. Like, it's just me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. On your YouTube channel, it's just you. So why not make that your audio content? So I tell a lot of new new podcasters and even my, like my friend Luca was cracking up because this dude was like, yes, I want to do this. And what I told him was like, make it your audio content. Five days a week, I would do a 10 minute show and you just teach something like how to squat or how to build muscle or how to reduce inflammation. I think those short, podcasts are fucking blowing up right totally, now. Totally, yeah. And so, I'm not doing that shit, but yeah, I think they're yeah. fucking awesome. But I think people should do that. Yeah. Because again, it just doesn't make sense. Like, why jump in and do the same thing that everyone else is doing? Especially if not a lot of people know you don't have a big following. And uh, so the guy's like, all right, yeah, that's great. When will you come on? And I go, dude, I'm not coming on. <laughs> Nobody should come on. You're not listening to what I'm saying. It's just you. Did you just hear me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when are you going to come on? I just need you for an hour. Yeah, I yeah. said 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I said you're not having a guest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. Yeah. So what do you, you got? You got all this stuff that you're talking about business-wise. What do you have uh, coming out that you want to tell people about and get the word out about? Just really, like I said, Renegade Strength Club, uh, we're, we're working on just, you know, kind of just ramping the that revamp. back up for the for the 10-year anniversary. And um, that's it, really. Nothing nothing new. I'm trying to scale back stuff. Because like, like you mentioned, I have the, the higher-end kind of business and life coaching mastermind group that I run. 
Love doing that. Last year, we did 10 events. This year, I'm cutting it back to four or five because it was too yeah. much. Yeah, that's what we're doing with Fit for Service, which is Aubrey's, Aubrey's year-long mastermind group. Yeah. Just quarterly events where we meet yeah. up. And a lot, you know, like every day we're on Instagram. We right. do Instagram lives once a week. He has monthly phone calls on Zoom personally, you know, that he's with. And there's four coaches in the group. But it, it is like, let's not bite off more than we can chew with this. That yeah. way people get what they're paying for totally. and they get value from it, but neither, neither him or I are just fucking overrun. Cause there's other shit right. going on, you yeah. know, like they're still on it. There's still, yeah. there's still the podcasts. There's still travel. There's still family life. There's yeah. still so much more, Yeah, you know, hundred percent. And I think I need to take my own advice that I give to other people is like, you got to do what you're most passionate about, what you love mm. the most, not stuff that drains you. If you can only do one thing, what would it be? And I've kind of had these signals recently where that was drawing me back to that. You know, when just the universe is pointing you in a certain direction. Yeah. Like I was in a couple NFL weight rooms recently and just different things have happened. Like, so backstage the other night at Monday Night Raw, I'm in the, in the Phoenix Suns weight room working with one of the WWE guys and I missed the whole show. And so so a couple of my friends who, whose names you'd recognize come in, some of the wrestlers are like, bro, the show's over. Everyone's leaving the building. We're going to go eat. And I'm working, I'm working with him. I'm sweating. I'm so into it. I'm teaching him the roll, like the big toe and the squat. And I'm aligning his spine and stuff like that. And I'm adjusting his sub scap. And I'm like, this is what I love doing. So they're like, are you going to come? I'll find you guys later. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then, then afterwards, they all said to me, they're like, dude, that's your one thing. Like, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. That's why I know I got to trim and like scale back on some of the other stuff. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. awesome, bro. Yeah. Well, where can people find you online? Where can people find, obviously, Renegade Radio Podcast? Yeah. Uh, uh, J.Fit, J-A-Y.Fit. We'll send you to uh, to my main web- website and then Jay Ferrugia on Instagram. Fuck yeah, brother. It's been excellent having yeah. you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, brother. It was awesome. Hell yeah. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast with my man, Jay Ferrugia. If you guys digged it, which I think you did, hit us up. Let us know what you think. And as always, 10% off all supplements and food products at onit.com slash podcast.